Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Eagle Eye today. Every week, we have exclusive interviews with BC professors, alumni, student-athletes, and more. Make sure to follow The Heights on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to catch up on the latest headlines and recommend guests you'd like to hear from. Joining us today is Andrea Cohen, a Boston College School of Social Work alumni and the founder and former CEO of Housewoods, an independent home care company dedicated to elevating care for seniors and facilitating access to industry resources for family caregivers. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for including me. Of course. So to start us off, how did you first become aware of the current problems involved with elder care? Um, I think like a lot of people who get into this field, even though I I started doing this decades ago, generally um, it's from personal experience. So um, I kind of always knew I wanted to be a social worker and help people. And I think because my parents were older, they kept drilling that into me. So I just really became aware of elder care issues. And then when I was in college and um, I'm going to start over there again, sorry. So when I went to college, I wanted to do something that helped people. I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. And um, I started thinking about how do you support older people at home? And when I was kind of in the middle of that thought process, I, my, both of my parents got sick and they died within six months of each other. So then I became the consumer of care. And as the consumer of care, um, I realized that there were so many gaps in the system. And, you know, even though I knew a lot more than most people because I was getting trained in it, um, I still felt very helpless and frustrated. And, um, and that's really what drove me to do it. Um, I think that's so important that you kind of had to deal with that maybe earlier and find a way to approach these problems maybe earlier than the average person. I know that I have a grandfather with Alzheimer's disease right now, and there are so many different factors to consider in terms of whether home care will be best, whether a facility will be best, medicines, what kind of care is best for one specific person, because these diseases also affect people in different ways as you get older, whether it's physical or mental deterioration. Um, Could you take us a little bit through the process of kind of cultivating knowledge in college? I don't know if there were specific classes that you took or ways that you started to learn more. Yeah, sure. So um, I remember it vividly. I when I was a senior at undergraduate um, at Ithaca College, um, I remember taking a class in healthcare and we had to do an internship. And the internship was in a nursing home in Ithaca, which is in upstate New York. And I walk in, you know, I'm young, I'm petrified. And this older gentleman who was a resident there just started yelling at me and I was really upset. But then when I thought about it, I realized how unhappy he was in the nursing home. And that's when I said, you know, I I definitely, this is something that I wanna do. I wanna sort of support people who are, you know, older adults, but support them to live at home. And that's really when it 
that was the sort of pinnacle of when that started. And then when I graduated from college, I decided I wanted to take a little bit of time off between graduate school and um, college because I felt like I needed to know more about exactly what I wanted to do. And I became a home health aide. So I, I you know, worked one-on-one -on -one with clients. I helped them with personal care. I helped the caregivers who were supporting them. And it's interesting because I did, I wound up going, as you know, to Boston College and Boston College at the time, I'd say 90% of the graduate school was clinicians and 10% were planning or community organization. And I decided at that point, I had spent some time actually being a home health aide that I actually wanted to do more macro learning. I wanted to be able to impact people from a policy level. But if I hadn't had done that work in between graduate school and undergraduate school, I might've just gone the clinical track because that's what most people did. And um, I was grateful that I had taken the time off even though I was getting some pressure from home to just keep going, go right through it and start and get a job. I was really grateful that I actually had the opportunity to take a little time off and figure out what I wanted. So in terms of Houseworks, what inspired you to start that? Can you lead us through that process a little bit? Yeah, sure. So. After I graduated from um, Boston College, it was at a time when everybody pretty much who went through the degree went and started working in the not-for-profit world. It's really changed. And you know, I graduated in 1984, so it's really changed a lot since then. And so everybody wanted to go into the, uh, so nobody really went into sort of for-profit. So I immediately went from graduate school into this um, not-for-profit, they're called aging service access points, which are home care corporations that are funded by the state. And I, I stayed there for about 10 years and, um, and really loved it. And then got recruited by a for-profit company that wanted me to do very similar things than I did at the nonprofit. And I remember thinking to myself, I really don't want to do that. I'm really comfortable. I, you know, I, I like what I do. I'm well-respected, but there was this other part of me that was just curious about what are the skills that I could learn in the for-profit world. And probably I'll go back. And I, my vision at the time was to just run a hospice organization. So I, sort of flipped into this for-profit mission-driven and that's when I founded Houseworks. Um, and what I really liked about it at the end of the day was that for, the, for those people who work in the not-for-profit world, you oftentimes, the, the money you get is how you, you know, that's the, that you have to chase reimbursement, basically. You have to think about, you know, if you're doing Medicare or Medicaid, you have to do things a certain way, whereas, I realized at the time in the for-profit world, you could really listen to your clients or your customers and actually do what they're asking for as long as you can build a sort of infrastructure around that. And that's when I realized people started calling me entrepreneurial and I was like, I didn't, almost didn't even know what the word meant. And um, I, that's when I, and that's really what got me to start Houseworks was I was given the opportunity to start Houseworks 
And then I stayed in it and I kept growing it. It grew to one of the largest single site private home care companies in the country at that time because we it just was a it was the perfect timing for it. So you know it was it was great because I was able to sort of run a very mission-driven company that made a lot of impact in all of the clients that we saw while I, you know, while I while I was running a for-profit company and I and and I really got to listen to customers, and that was really fun for me. So, so that um, I mean, like you said, it seems like Houseworks was really a company at the time that the world needed. What did you most want to see improved through Houseworks? Yeah, I mean, again, when I was sort of struggling it on my own, and frankly, you know, 25 years later, it's a lot of the same things that, you know, you were talking about with your grandmother and just, you know, you, there's no, there, there's, you, there's not one there's not one organization that can provide all the information that you need to keep someone at home. Everybody does a little piece of it. It's those care transitions between when you're leaving the hospital, going to a rehab, going home. You don't quite know what a rehab is. What's the difference between a rehab and a nursing home? Who pays for what? Like all of those questions that families have. And, um, you know, what was great about Houseworks was is that we both provided an advice, but we also provided a solution. So we actually provided the home health aid into the home and did all of the work around making sure that that person was vetted. We didn't just say, you should you know, go out and think about this or that. We actually, when we provided that home health aid in the home and they, the, the clients and the, it was mostly the adult children were our customers or are our customers, those folks were so grateful. It was like immediate relief because people now when they have elder care issues, it's not that they, they really want, um, they, they really want a solution because they're in total crisis. They're taking care of 8,000 people, whether they're kids, you know, now everybody with all these mixed marriages, there's like eight people that I have friends that take care of you know, this one from this marriage. So, you know, there's so many more people to take care of. So they just want an immediate solution to their problem. Right. Which isn't the case for most people. And sometimes it's hard to even identify what the root problem is yeah. in taking care of someone. Um, what do you see as the biggest challenge for the average family who's trying to figure out how to provide the best care for seniors in their life? I think most of it is, you know, when I think about the, I, and I've talked to thousands of caregivers over the years, because I was a pretty hands-on CEO, which is what, I, again, I loved about it, because I always felt like, and I think this is a good lesson learned, when you want to run a successful business, you have to actually understand what happens inside the business. So, you know, being a home healthy, you know, and starting out that way, and then, you know, even when I became the CEO and was doing, you know, the deals and trying to get bigger and growing into new markets and really learning a whole new language because I did not, I thought about getting the MSW MBA, but I decided just to get the MSW. Um, so I had to learn all of that, like while I was doing it, the finance stuff. But the most important thing was that you stay in touch with who you're providing the service to. And um, and I so I have talked to a lot of families and you know, there's so many issues. They come to you in a crisis. So they're, they're not really thinking straight. They're not really at the top of their game. No one really plans for it. You know, now they're planning more for it. Back then, no one planned for it. 
and no one understands the resources. And oftentimes there's a financial issue because if you're, you know, unless you're pretty indigent, you have to pay for this care and no one's really clear what you have to pay for out of pocket versus what your insurance will cover. You know, so, you know, put all of that into a role and then there's the emotion of parenting a parent. So you add that to it or a grandparent and you add that to it. And so you, it's just really hard to know what to do. And a lot of what I did, which is why, again, I think my degree came in so helpful was I helped, um, you know, I helped people sort of, you know, not jump off the cliff and just validated that what they were doing was really important and there was really good. And they actually know more than they think they know. And that's what I, you know, loved about this sort of macro degree at BC or any anything there was like you could you could jump between being on the ground and sort of being strategic and 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 that's really made a difference for me, which is why I loved what I, I mean. I was always the one who was like my other friends would be complaining about their jobs, and I just always loved what I did. So I feel really lucky about that. Yeah, I think that emotional toll that you mentioned. Um, definitely plays a big part in caregivers' lives when they're caring for a family member. Um, what kind of resources does Houseworks offer specifically to families who are going through that? Yeah, I mean, I think at Houseworks, everybody has access to you know, a case manager, so they, they have that liaison between um, between themselves and the person that we send into the home. Because, you know, I don't know how much you guys know about home health, but there's a couple ways you can do it. One is to use a company like Houseworks and the other is to um, hire someone on your own. And oftentimes the, the ticket price, when you look at it for private, you know, un, under the table in a sense, home care is less expensive, but you don't get the infrastructure. So if somebody doesn't show up, they don't pay, you know, we pay the all the workers comp. So we are the employer. And um, so I feel like they get sort of the infrastructure that we vet the caregivers that go into the home. If there's a problem, like a caregiver that's really good on one with one family just might not work out with another and we, we would just replace the person. It's not, you know, whereas if you're hiring someone on your own, it's, you know, it takes a lot of work to get there and then you have to, um, you have to um, deal with it by yourself. So you become the employer. So if you're really busy, you're then employing, it, it just makes it harder. So I feel like the, 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 the resources at Houseworks in terms of that case manager and making sure that we have the backup and doing everything that you need to do and explaining what a transition is, helping them understand who's going into the home. You know, why is this person paid for by Medicare and why, why am I paying for this person and who does what? We would do a lot of explaining. I think that word validation that you used is so important. Sometimes people just need to understand that they're not alone, that there are a lot of people going through the same transitions and putting it into logical steps that they can follow yeah. um, and establishing a trajectory that maybe other families have gone through before is so important. Yes. Yeah, that's really important. Um, I know you mentioned that maybe in some ways some sort of like business degree might've been helpful to you as a CEO, but um, I think there are also tons of current students right now kind of debating the yep. merit grad school, which can be very expensive um, over kind of entering the workplace, getting some experience and maybe yep. returning back to that option later. 
Yes. Um, how do you feel that your time at BC School of Social Work prepared you um, for your yeah. later career? Um, and I, you know, I'm a an avid believer that you should figure out what you want to do before you go um, off and spend money on a graduate degree because you're spending a lot of money and. I can't tell you how many people I know who went to law school and they never became a lawyer, right? You know, it just, it's like, and I honestly, like when you graduate college at the age of 22 or however old you are, could be a little younger, could be a little older, you don't really have a sense of what, it's really hard unless you're one of those people that grow up from the age of two knowing what you want to be. And there are some of those out there that are probably listening right now and like, I got this, but most of us, don't really get it. And they sort of, and so I just felt like um, Boston College, the, the graduate school prepared me. And, and I, when I used to tell people after I graduated, what I felt like was the most helpful was that um, it gave me discipline. You know, it, it, it really provided discipline, but you know, I just feel like you can start, you can start just getting into the workforce, figuring out what you want. And then once you go to graduate school, you get some technical, but you also understand, you know, how does, how do you make your day-to-day -day work when you're working and you're doing, you know, all of that. Um, and then sometimes like for me, I knew that if I wanted to do more and get more involved with families or, you know, run a business or do anything, I needed a graduate degree to, 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 to make it happen faster. Um, so I was grateful to have the opportunity to go back to school, but I'm really glad I waited. Yeah. And it's so much easier to try something and maybe you yeah. don't like it and cross yeah, it off the list than right. to magically say, ah, yes, I found my passion at yeah. 22. Yeah, like that's said, a really good point. I, I'm one of those people who yeah. does not yeah. know what they want to do. And yeah, and like, and, and it's funny because at Houseworks, we used to employ a lot of people like you. So people would graduate from college, they weren't sure what they wanted to do. And then they would start out in some, you know, entry level position, which was a hard job. Every job at Houseworks was hard because you were dealing with like the caregivers calling and the families calling and, you know, whatever you did at Houseworks was complicated. And, you know, they'd stay with us for a couple of years and that would lead them to something else. Like I always felt like we were an entry point for a lot of really smart people who weren't exactly sure. So if I were still running Houseworks and you were looking for a job, I'd probably hire you. And then hope that, you know, what, but what they knew that what they knew they wanted, like what, what everybody knew they wanted when they came to us was they wanted to do something that made a difference and that was mission driven. Yeah. Right. But they also, a lot of them wanted the opportunity to work in a for-profit company for whatever reason. And, you know, so that, you know, because working, starting out in a not-for-profit, you know, it go it moves a little slower sometimes. Things don't get, don't happen as fast. So we would get a lot of those folks. And I think people had a really good um, experience with us and then often moved into new positions either in the company or went to back to school. Right. Sounds like one of the most important things that we gain at, in this period of our lives right now is just to be adaptable, to be hardworking and to be ready yeah. to, to put in the work and learn new things on the job because there's so much that you can't learn until you're in the industry. I Totally agree. I remember that it was really funny when um, one of the first things they had to do when I graduated from graduate school. In graduate school, we had to do all of these like planning 
documents and I'm just like, oh my God, we're never going to use this. Like, I don't, you know, ever like, this is ridiculous. And then the first thing that I had to do was put together a document that I, it's very similar to what I did in graduate school. And I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. I think that is something that even just, I'm a freshman this year and even just being here for a few months so far, you hear from so many people, you know, like, of course your degree and what you learn at school matters, but it's also your work experience and internships and what companies look for is like your experience actually in the field. So it's yeah. good to hear that, that is something that um, worked out really well for you. Yeah. And I, I think that I just have to say that, you know, part of it, and I, you know, I have two kids who are both doing different things. They graduated um, from undergrad and, um, it's all about passion. And I know it's like a little overused the word passion. Like everybody says, you have to have passion and you have to, but, but like you, you really have to like what you're doing. And if, if anywhere you're applying to, whether it be graduate school or a job and, you know, you, even if it's, you know, you're kind of entry level, but you have passion to do well by people, but you're not exactly sure the passion really shows through. And as a person who employed a lot of people, like I could see it who really was interested in intellectually curious and who wanted to learn more and wanted to take what they did. It's kind of like a, you, you can see their brains working. So don't underestimate the value of that. Right. Well, seeing your passion for your business and, and helping other people, um, you recently received CVS's Female Leader of the Year Award. Um, what does that recognition represent for you? That was, first of all, it was so much fun. I mean, you know, they, you got to go to the game, they gave you football, you sit in the CVS, you know, the Patriots, you got to meet Robert Kraft. So besides the fact that it was really fun, um, I was just, I was kind of blown away that, you know, that I got it because part of, part of, it's just, you know, I just sort of feel like, um, it's, there's so many people in healthcare who are very, you know, deserve these kinds of awards. And, um, but for me, it just represented, you know, it just represented the fact that I've worked really, really hard at helping seniors remain at home and to be recognized for that is, you know, and cause it means so much to me. And then, you know, a lot of what I do and the success that I've had, I use as a platform to make more impact. So, you know, I'm still doing a lot of work now in the, with the direct care workers and trying to elevate the profession. I'm trying to do a lot of work to support family caregivers in all different ways. So I felt like this award to me represented accumulation of many, many years of hard work. And, you know, it's not often that you hear about people in mission-driven companies that get those kinds of awards and it and the CVS also they you know when I read over their purpose statement and I I I actually have it somewhere but I you know their purpose statement is we help people with their health wherever and whenever they need us and we do it with heart because our passion is our purpose bringing our heart to every moment of your health you know when I read that you know, she, that was pretty unbelievable. And to see like a large company like CVS actually feel like, I really felt like they cared about what happened in the home. That, that's important to me. It's also important to me as a consumer, 
you know, I want to know that the companies that I buy from and use and rely on are good to their employees. And um, so I just felt, I just felt like the whole thing worked for me and it was just a perfect day and it, it felt really good. And it's funny because I've gotten a bunch of awards over the years and I actually got the Distinguished Alumni Award at um, BC. And the ones that meant the most to me were the ones that were the, like that that award from BC meant so much to me because it felt like it was really going to the purpose of passion of what I do. But um, but this one, this is the one that like everybody noticed. So people were like calling me up and you know, so it was just you know it was it was both very cool, very heartfelt and fun. So very special. Yeah, it was really special. Thank you for asking. <laughs> um, I think based on so many years of experience that have, again, were recognized um, over the years, it's also important to realize that you don't need a specific title, right? Not, not being CEO anymore. There's right. so much more to leadership than a specific title yes. and that it's never too early or too late to exercise yes. leadership. Yeah. Um, are there any specific ways in which you feel that people should reevaluate aging, um, both reframing how we treat the elderly and mm -hmm. also how we manage our own aging? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I'm of the perfect age now where I am thinking about how I want to age. I mean, I am old and so, I mean, my kids think I'm old, right? But, um, you know, it's all in your head. But yeah, I mean, we all have to, we're all living longer now um, and there's just not as many kids to go around to take care of you. And so we all have to think about, you know, I, I, I haven't even touched on technology and, you know, I've always been an avid fan of technology and service and that technology can enhance service, but not replace it. And um, so I think that, you know, when we're moving forward in, in aging, it's like, how can we take everything we've learned? You know, how can we build community when we're isolated? And the pandemic really helped that because I did run the company through the pandemic and that was really hard to do, you know, getting people into the home, dealing with COVID positive people, but building community for isolated seniors was really hard during the pandemic and we worked at it. And I felt like we did the best that we could do. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, you know, people should be thinking about what they want sooner. And I always tell people, don't worry, I got this, right? Because, you know, I helped start the village movement, which was the one in Beacon Hill Village. And I've done a lot of sort of, you know, innovative kinds of things that will, so people can support each other and so neighbors can support neighbors. But um, I think, you know, and even, but like the other thing is, is that I think it's important to realize that people can make their own choices. And for some people, some caregivers, you know, you, I met a lot of families who said, we'll never put our parent in a nursing home, but at the end of life, it was really hard for them, whether it had been a financial issue or whether it had been the person was just so complex, they couldn't stay home. You, you just have to give yourself a little leeway about that. But, um, but yeah, and I, I think redefining aging is just, you know, aging with control and on your own terms. And, you know, one of the things I say is as I get older, I want my kids to visit me because I'm living in a cool place. Not, you know, not just because I'm, I'm sort of old and you're forced to visit me. I, and people need to stay sort of vibrant and purposeful to any age. And now I think we have the opportunity to do that, which is what's so great about. So I do feel like we did make some, we did make some headway on that. <laughs> yeah. And, in terms of 
planning for these things earlier on, I feel like at least for myself being a college student, that's not something that I really think about, but how would you say college students should best prepare financially and emotionally for this to take care of their relatives and also ensure the best circumstances for themselves? I think that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, I think that um, just to be aware, like when when I was, I, my I, this was 30 some odd years ago when my parents died and I was young, I was 33 when they both died. So like no one thought about, I'm gonna be a caregiver. I think pretty much everybody kind of has an inkling that they could be a caregiver now because it's been out there so much. But I think that every college student should know at some point they're gonna be a caregiver and it's not so bad. I mean, it's for me, it was a chance to give back to people that I really cared about. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, but, but just to know what's going to happen, I think is important. And I think the other advice that I would give is, you know, when it's time, not maybe now, not at college, but maybe a decade after that or so is just get a better understanding. You know, one of the hardest conversations for adult children to have with their parents is how much money do you have? right? Because they, they've never told their kids about how much money they have. They didn't know if they had enough money to support themselves. And like, if, if you could just start that conversation and make sure that you know where all the documents are and the living wills, make sure they have living wills, make sure they, you know, have everything that they need so they can live and die the way they want to, you know, like, so, so they have optionality about aging. Um, that so many people in the old days got sort of pushed right into a nursing home because they didn't, they just didn't feel like they had a choice. The great news is, is that people have a choice now. So, you know, kids can help support that choice by just understanding a little bit and maybe trying to push their parents to make sure that everything's in order. I spend a lot of time doing that now because I'm so aware of, like, I don't want my kids to have to deal with what I had to deal with when my parents died and just finding stuff and not knowing stuff. And, you know, I think there's lots of technology now that you can store stuff in places where the entire family can have access to it when, you know, you need it. If you're the caregiver that lives close by and your parent goes into an emergency room, you know where those documents are so they can, you know, so I think it's, you know, and everybody's so tech savvy now, way more than we were, like just, that would be even just a value add, go help your parents set something like that up. That would be such, I mean, if one of my kids did that for me, I'd be grateful, so. I think giving back is what it all comes down to. Yeah. Um, you mentioned being able to give back to the people that you love, your parents, yeah. and then so many people later and that's important, especially to so many people at BC who are trying to figure out how to make meaning in their lives. So yeah, I mean, and I really appreciated that about BC, and uh, and there was just a, a a good vibe there about giving back. And um, I think that, and it's really great to just even have this conversation that it's top of mind for people that are in college thinking about how they can do it because. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's generational. Like I felt like, you know, it was big when I was a kid and then it sort of dropped out and everybody became, I just want to make a ton of money and whatever happens, happens. I think it's cyclical. And um, I think the world is not an, it, it's not an easy place in this world right now. And we need everybody to just be part of some community to help support other people who have less than them. Definitely, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Oh, thank you're you welcome. That was fun. And um, 
I look forward to uh, hearing more about what BC is doing in the student collective and making a difference in this world. So I really appreciate the opportunity. Remember to follow The Heights on Instagram and Facebook to recommend guests you'd like to hear from and check out The Heights Facebook and Twitter pages every Monday for the latest headlines. See you next time. Bye.